I've always said, like, I feel like such a rebel at the core, which is funny to a lot of people who know me because, like, I love I love knowing what the rules are. And most of my job is paperwork. And I really love fucking with margins and fonts. And, like, I'm very structured and I'm very type A. But I feel like such a rebel at heart because I am more interest. I'm less interested in getting things done the most seamless way as possible. And I'm more interested in causing a ruckus. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to play into ideas about how I can be taken seriously because I believe so firmly that how I am the way I am deserves to be taken seriously as is. People are fascinating, especially up close. More especially when you get them talking about the things that they love. This is From the Hip, conversations in the service of passion, purpose, and play. I'm Adrienne Gunn. You ready to play? Today on From the Hip, I'm hanging out with stage manager and fellow techie Amanda Kishlock. We get to talking about how radical an act it is to be exactly who you are. Are you go? Are we go? Are we go yet? Are we go yet? We are very go yet. We're very go. We yet. are very go yet. The other day, I was part of a. It was a beautifully, wonderfully, weirdly stressful situation that shouldn't have been stressful sounds right but these two people so i love to get in rapport with people quickly yeah these two people came in super anxious and i forgot to say oh don't get in rapport with that part but so they were super anxious Uh (laughs) so we're having a meeting trying to facilitate their needs and my job is supposed to keep people calm Uh and that is fine uh so they come in super hot and I find that the the entire conversation was us agreeing with each other fervently. Like, have you ever had that happen? <laughs> like, you are so right because I am also so right, and we are so right together, and everything. <laughs> yeah, everybody's using like like slightly different words uh-huh. for the same thing about yeah. Well, and so that meeting took forever because it we didn't. I knew we were agreeing at yeah. some point, but sadly, hours later. I think I declared after I said something and then the other person took like three times as long to say the thing I had just said in a like disagreeing tonality. Uh. And I'm like, okay, good. So we've agreed then. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that was a uh, weird fun of tech world where I think people walk in assuming they don't know. Or they're assuming, or they're assuming they do know and they really don't. Like I find very little like middle. Oh, there is totally middle ground, but that's like way less fun to talk about. <laughs> and like we all remember the hyperbole way more of like either like I really don't know what's going on. Please help me. What's and I'm confused and I'm anxious. Or like I totally know what's going on and I'm getting really mad at you because yes. you don't want me to do the thing that breaks fire code. Yeah, fire code. Who's she? <laughs> yeah. Fire codes an ass. Yeah, I'm calling fire codes manager. <laughs> so I uh, am fun. Am I fun? I don't know why that was the word. I am mostly nearly awake. Are you awake? I definitely drank very much coffee today. <laughs> nice. I could probably recap and ate. That's the rest of that word. Recaffeinate. <laughs> but I am a grand gun. And I'm hanging out today with my friend. You get to say your name. Oh, I get to say it. Um, Amanda Kishlock. Like a fish lock, but a kishlock. That's kish. Yeah. I, well, like kitsch or I've just, 
never, ever, ever met anyone who has heard someone else with that last name unless they're related to me. Mm-hmm. So I just assume, like, if you're a Kishlock out in the world, we're probably related. And hi. family, hi. <laughs> if you are secret, you are a Kishlock and you are not related to me, um, call me. Because <laughs> that's neat. What will you feed them? I mean, I have a tendency to feed everyone everything all the time. I got really anxious uh, recently because my husband was like, oh, let's invite some random people over because you don't work tonight, I don't work tonight. I'll just do it. We'll hang out. We'll play like video games or something. And I thought like, I don't have anything to make like for people like something fun and interesting. And I haven't thought about that. I don't have time to go to the grocery store. What are you talking about? We're going to invite people over and not feed them. (laughs) Like, how dare you? And he was like, it's fine. It's fine. No one will care. Was it after eating time? I mean, yeah. Uh, but still, like, it's it's like them? it's like a I don't know. It's a family thing. My both of my parents are like comically generous, mm-hmm. like in like the most like wholesome, wonderful way. And like growing up, that was very much the thing of like, oh, your friends are coming over. Well, here's something. Do they need to eat? <laughs> Here, let me feed you. I used to have, I don't have this now. (laughs) I used to have a drawer in my kitchen that was the chewy drawer because I always had chewy granola bars (laughs) and snacks in that drawer for people who came over because I I frequently eat things that other people don't eat or Mm -hmm. I don't have things that people do eat. And now it's just the decaffeinated tea drawer (laughs) instead of the chewy drawer. But that, that was my default for like, I can offer you water. Because I have water <laughs> and I have these granola bars, but I'm not, I don't have those now. What do I have? I have meat sticks and those are for me. See, I do like the opposite usually in terms of like, I frequently eat things that other people don't eat or like can't eat things other people eat. So I'm like, oh, it's cool. I brought my own snacks. I know we are at a restaurant, but <laughs> I brought my own snacks. Yeah. Because ain't nobody want to like ask the wait staff about details about the food. I'm not that person. I just like, don't like to do that. I'm so that person. I'm like, cause frankly, if I'm going out to eat, like I'm already committing to like, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with like thinking about like, you know, really thinking about like what I'm doing or eating and like cleaning up. Like that's the thing about going out to eat of like, you are you are paying someone for the gift and the luxury of like all the things you no longer have to worry about and you just get to enjoy food and company often so when they're like oh we'll go to this place like but then i have to ask like does this have dairy in it does this like come with the this side can i do it like like that's nullifying the lack of anxiety and like thinking that i'm usually looking for because i'm like i'd rather just make food because I'm a good cook. I'm frequently having to scan for hidden onions, which are in pretty much everything. So I have to assume yeah. there's some amount of onions and stuff. And it's not the most deadly of my challenges of food, but it's it's the least fun because they don't, I don't like the taste. They, uh, and then leave my breath smelling terrible. And also um, I end up hurting like the mm-hmm. next day or maybe getting sores in my mouth. But like hidden onions, I have to ask about it. Yeah. Because things don't have the other things that I can obviously, okay, wheat, dairy, those things you know are in things, mm-hmm. generally. Generally. Mm-hmm. The hidden onions are a problem. Hidden onions. I don't know. I love this idea of you getting to go places where you don't have to worry about any of what the, what is produced there. Yeah. Because, I mean, you don't know this yet, but Amanda and I know each other from tech world. Yes. Like you and I freelance sometimes. I have, when I talk to people, I'm like, I have about eight careers. And one of the ones I used to pursue more 
is uh, backstage tech world stuff. Now I just sort of I do that for friends, or you sometimes have to you have to ask permission before you can refer me to somebody to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know that feel. <laughs> we know each other from a place where I occasionally work, but I like I don't go out of my way to like. Yeah, pursue gigs there, but you're you're frequently stage managing there. What do you what do you describe yourself when you're? Uh, I actually I was like thinking about that this morning because I was thinking about this and like coming by like your your show and I feel felt like the question like what are you like who are you what do you do that's probably gonna come up and I thought like that's almost a stressful question because it's like the first thing that you say like you're kind of defining yourself by that parameter first and that's like. I don't know. I uh, like to cook. <laughs> like, and, and that's the other interesting thing. I think when people talk about like, oh, oh, and then my, my husband, Trevor, and they're like, oh, what does he do? I'm like, there are 800 other things about him that you could ask, but everyone asks like, what do you do? Wow. That's not super related, but also tangentially related to I stage manage and I also do other stuff too. I like to say like, I don't know, pay me money and I'll probably do it, which would maybe get me in trouble in certain circles or... <laughs> <laughs> maybe not maybe good thanks <laughs> but uh no i stage manage that's how like we that's one of the things i often do with you um and it's one of my favorite things to do so i didn't do tend to lead with like when people ask what do you do i'm like oh i'm a stage manager or i'm a theatrical electrician because that sounds really cool Ugh, yeah especially when like because i like dress a certain way i like fashion and i like heels and like fun things like that yeah. and then i get to say like people say oh hi sweetheart like how are you doing today or like they'll strike conversations with me i'm like okay mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. like what do you do for a living it's like, well i'm a theatrical electrician i carry heavy things and i put them up high and i make them turn on and lots then i current lots of current and lots of me burning my fingers on stuff and having weird suspicious scratches on my arms oh i love the random bruises i have fewer of those these days because i generally get to supervise in those situations yeah. and other people are getting the weird bruises but when I, 19, faking 23 <laughs> in Vegas, and I would be up hanging all different directions in lighting truss, mm-hmm. and I would end up with weird butterfly-shaped bruises in different places of my hips and whatever. Yep. And it would be it'd be like four in the morning I got home. It's like, wait, where did that one come right? from? Who and did that? That looks like it must have hurt. Why don't I remember that? I have a vague sense memory of like, oh, yeah, I was dangling and then pushing a... Yeah, I like habitually have and I call it, you know, classic like electrician bruises is like on my shins because I'm standing up on like the highest rung of a ladder that you safely can. Don't stand on the top rung that you're not supposed to do that unless it says you can listen to your ladders. Um, (laughs) But I always have bruises like right on my shin, like hard like lines across both of my shins because I'm like standing and I have to stand up on my toes on ladders a lot because I'm short. Yeah. And so I had to work with colleagues who have like, I have a buddy, Kevin, who has like, he's really tall. He's got really long arms. I'm like, of course, Kevin can do it. Kevin can reach that. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> we had six more inches on that ladder. I could. <laughs> but uh, no, not for me. Well, they don't always frequently stock things for people that are shorter, say. That's the tech world. Yeah. That's the same thing of like when I had to get like gloves for lighting purposes and i could have gone people are like oh you could have gone just like home depot got like you know some good old gloves i'm like well those don't really come in an extra small <laughs> so i have teeny child hands yeah i fortunately uh lowe's seems to be sometimes i want to say female friendly and it, it would have been appropriate to say that 15 years ago when i started buying mm-hmm. gloves that were they weren't like they weren't specifically pink and called women's gloves, but they were like women's sizes of gloves. Yeah. 
that were the same as the other gloves, but just smaller and different proportions yeah. and such. And I remember getting great gloves there because I guess Lowe's actually of Lowe's and Home Depot, Lowe's is a bit more like made for different sensibilities, I suppose, mm-hmm. based on potentially research. Uh, potentially. Well, a lot of a lot of companies do crazy amounts of research to find mm-hmm. out what people respond better to. So even uh, what, forever ago when I worked at Best Buy, they actually did profiling of their their main customers and then designed specific stores for them. And it was kind of a cool time to uh-huh. be there because like very rarely do, do corporate decisions from marketing research make it down to the, the sales floor. They should. Those decisions should make it to the sales floor, but they were really transparent about that. And then teaching us which customers had certain characteristics and how we could recognize and better like meet their needs in a way. It was mm. kind of cool to use sociology and psychology to help people find stuff they needed. But they had like, they had Jill stores, they had uh, like Buzz, I think, like the, the person who loves the gadgets. And they would just like change their merchandising to make things more accessible or more mm. in- intriguing to some people. So like the lighting scheme of Lowe's is very different from Home Depot and the, the like they, they're very sen- like sensibly like organized in different ways. And uh, yeah, so I forever ago got gloves and I could find gloves, but then for a hot minute, people started going away from doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I suppose we're in this sort of space where maybe gender's not a thing. Men and women are different, but they're not different, or everybody's different, but they're not different. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny. I wanted to talk to you about the fact that like we're both in a kind of tech world. And when I was attempting to pursue seriously this part of the career, I was just surrounded buy a bunch of dudes mm-hmm. grumpier yeah <laughs> <laughs> i did stagehand stuff and sound engineering stuff i started in like 97 and i was pursuing it till about 05 and then mm-hmm. I, nah, it wasn't like that big deal for me yeah but like the, the the change in culture when i started working backstage at pcc in a place where i i don't want to say i don't care but it's not like it's not like, oh, I have to do everything right. And yeah. Like, and it's not like I've never, even for, there are several companies that come through that I like personally feel a degree of like investment in because I really believe in like what they're doing or I think it's just quality work because I love just putting on quality work. That's one of my favorite things. My other favorite thing is getting paid too much money for it. That's my other favorite thing. So if you can meet one of those needs, like we're probably pretty golden. And if you meet both, we're best friends. Yeah. But even like, and that's one of the things I do enjoy about the work. And not everybody I meet who does the same kind of work I do has the same feeling about it. And I feel like that's just par for the course. People are different. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel a, an overwhelming degree of attachment or investment or ownership of the end quality of the work in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, say, as a stage manager, my job is to make sure things happen effectively, safely, on time, and to to the best degree I know how. With I'm just putting pieces together right but those pieces could be a terrible show in my opinion but it's still my job to put them together every night in a way that again is cohesive and safe and fun for everybody involved hopefully hopefully yeah. um but if the pieces aren't great like that's not my job yeah well and that's and that's kind of liberating and something i enjoy <laughs> that's kind of the easy stuff yeah then you like to, like put that on top of like so back I don't know, 20 years ago when mm-hmm. i was doing a job there's like, okay, you got to move the boxes to here, you got to set the mics up here and that sort of thing. And that's part of the gig. Yeah. The other part of the gig for me was navigating 
which I do so much less of now. I don't know if culture shift or I've just shifted and I don't mm-hmm. care, but I used to have to show up and like shoulder up in a particular way. Cause mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of my early work in, I don't know if Vegas is different, but a lot of these like old roadhouse stuff where the yeah. people, I love the guys that would just be like, they wouldn't see each other. Like, oh, I haven't seen you in six years since rush, blah, blah, blah. And it was always rush. Some sort of rush to her. <laughs> you told me this story, yeah. like, kind of anecdote before. Ah. Like, really crispy older dudes who have a lot of stories. <laughs> some frightening, some <laughs> a little bit illegal or on the edge of appropriate, but on the edge of appropriate. Oh my God, I <laughs> and so some of my first moments in the show, it's not, a, it's about how to, how to, like, have the posture and then name Connor drop. Said you're a badass. Connor, who? Connor Michelotti. Connor. Hey, Connor. Sup, Rush? Oh, we're live streaming. Cool. I'm glad we got that to work. There was, I showed up here early and there was like a fun, like, are we live streaming? Are we not? Like, do we know? Yeah. We'll do it. It's fun. We'll do it live. Let's be badasses. Let's let's be badasses. Well, that goes, that's sort of my point. So I would walk into large stages where they're just a bunch of dudes of different ages. Yeah. And the, the, Assumption was that I walked in and I wouldn't know how to lift things, move things, do my job. So there was this like early moments, of, uh-huh. sort of a, almost all of the moments of proving myself. And I, yeah. I guess I'd already been a, a female athlete, a collegiate athlete, so I'd already sort of had to do the like the posturing of like I'm supposed to be here, Title Nine. Right? <laughs> right? We get money too. We're small ending. <laughs> frankly, technically, since puberty. Uh, all of you have more speed for less effort than I do. And I'm still grumpy about that. But like, girl, we can do it too. Women thing. Yeah. So I would spend a good the first hour or so of every fucking gig, mm-hmm. no matter how long I'd been at the job. But then you have the, the negotiating that a bunch of people were super grumpy. It was sort of the default. Yeah. Everyone was an asshole. And that's how the job went. That's when I was saying, like, I was going to channel my inner, like, Kirk on that that gig. I came in super early in the morning when I had left a strike, like, late the night before. And, and I just had, like, four be, hours of sleep. Just to be clear, Clark, Kirk is a fictitious yes. person that no one knows. Not Our a real inner, person. Inner Kirk. Your inner Kirk. It's a metaphor. For, for that, it's like, that union grump. It's a union. It's like a, it's an archetype, yeah. say, of a person who may or may not... Uh, be amazing and also from Jersey and uh, been around a Great. while. And that's why we have to channel our inner Kirk sometimes. Our inner Kirk. There's this a lot of like respectability about, about the, the Kirk in the us all. The grumpy Yoda of the tech industry. Just an archetype <laughs> of a, ty- a version of awesomeness. So you were telling me that you were trying to... I was trying to... I was going to channel my inner Kirk because I had gotten like four hours of sleep and that's not normally like when I'm walking into a venue to do an event, like I have my own... I've always joked that like I think technical work is a lot like acting in that you are putting on personas and airs depending... And that's just life. But I think it's particularly like a, a nice example or metaphor like in the industry because it's really readily available because mm-hmm. you are working with performers and they are being something that is themselves and also not. And I feel the same way about like, if I'm a stage managing a show, like I need to bring in certain airs of like confidence and I need to be relaxed and I need to have, I used to think I need to have all the answers. And then I learned that that's not the case. You just have to have really good questions. That's fair. And enough of the answers or know who has the answers. That is fair. 
So I wanted to talk a little bit about this because you and I have had conversations, and that's not fair to you. Like we've already had conversations. Yeah. What are you going to catch us up on about how we've been allowed to approach things differently? And I think it sounds like you maybe came into tech world or maybe coming through theater world where there are, I came from like rock and roll concert yeah. stages, which there are tons of women working rock and roll concert stages, a lot, a lot of lighting. Yeah. Uh, a lot of women that I got to see 20 years ago were more on the, the touring production side of the management and mm-hmm. dealing with the artist than they were on stage getting, you know, bruises with the rest of us. <laughs> and and yet there were mm-hmm. women doing that. And so in theater world, I had to, when I came to do like, like theater, they had way more time to accomplish everything. It take, they take so long to do stuff. And uh, <laughs> it's so long. Luxury, and there, there was... But also people were sort of expected to be nice. And it was very strange. I, I went from sort oh, yeah. of Vegas grumpy. Vegas grumpy. And Vegas is a lot of things. Vegas is actually quite friendly. And it's, uh-huh. it's a different ship. But there are a lot of people that I worked with that are very, very grumpy. And it's <laughs> kind of scary. And that was what you were expecting. And then I went into theater world, specifically theater world, that is also connected to education. And yeah. then everybody's supposed to be nice to everybody, communicate fluffily. Uh, and, and you didn't need to like, walk in all hot and proving yourself. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about what it means to like, to have what confidence looks like and that sort of thing. And then you've had different approaches than I have. Yeah. And this is like, honestly, I think about it a lot and I like, <laughs> I meditate a lot and I met, and it's something I end up like, cause a lot of the times I'll like meditate and I'll think on things that are like frustrating or difficult or like gnawing on me and try and like, let go of them or like sure. see the good thing or, or any which way. Um, but like some of the conversations we have, like I, I get like I really chew on them for a while because I think we do come from like these really we were just talking about like some people are saying the same things, but they think they're disagreeing, but they're it's the same thing. They're just coming from different like perspectives. And then it usually takes another person coming in being like, oh, cool. So we agree. <laughs> right. Well, and this, these are conversations about whether you need to be a certain kind of aggressive yeah. or, or match and model uh, a kind of masculinity yeah. that's presumed to be the way to get things done and you've i pushed back i'm i bristle at things like that and i think a lot of that like i a lot of like gendery things i tend to like bristle at and i'm in very antagonistic towards because i know and when i watched your show with zed i remember like you talking about you both getting different versions of the what are you like what are you I, you don't fit what I'm, what I expect or understand. And I like was watching, I'm like folding my laundry and I go, me, <laughs> the- me. <laughs> Yay. Cause. Uh, technical issue. Uh-oh. Which Adrian's one? Adrian's mic is dead. Adrian's mic is dead. Abort, Ooh. abort, abort. Okay. Does that mean. Do, do I have I to just- talk to your breasts. Okay. Hello. Okay. Okay. Just or, for a second. Here, I'll, I'll pan to, I'll, we'll do story time with Amanda for a minute and we'll um, talk about it. Unless we're not streaming anymore. It's not, we're still streaming. Oh, we're still, yeah, streaming. still streaming. Okay, then we'll do story time with Amanda. Okay. Because when I, this is what I was leading into anyway. Because when I was a kid, I, I just don't have felt a lot of like anxiety <laughs> and antagonism towards gender and being feminine and female. Because I have two older brothers and I got a lot of like, oh, you're a girl, you should act a certain way. Or we, oh, what a pretty girl. And I never liked that. I really hated pain when I was oh. Sorry, I hated Disney movies, Mickey Mouse. Like, there's my parents will tell the story of me going to Disneyland for the first time, and they're that my grandparents lived nearby. Yeah, uh, where Disneyland is. 
still there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I thought we were driving down to California to see my grandparents. And mm-hmm. they're like, guess what, kids? We're at Disneyland. And it's funny because I, so I have two older brothers. One is, he's 11 years older than me. And the other one is two years older than me. And uh, my eldest brother, Jared, was like, oh, heck yeah. Cool. This, I already knew we were doing this, but cool. I'm excited to take my like little siblings there. And my brother Matthew was like totally nonplussed by it. He was like, oh, and that explains my brother a lot, <laughs> who was a chiller version of me in a lot of ways. And I just started sobbing. And I'm like four or five years old. And I start yeah. sobbing. I said, I don't want to see Mickey Mouse. I don't want to see Mickey Mouse. Because I really hated Disney movies when I was a kid. Because I hated how gendered they were. The stupid fucking princess bull I like, the I was super antagonistic dumb. towards it. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't have the same language I do for it then that I do now, but I really hated like the presumptions of gender and gender identity. And like, if you're assuming I'm female, like what does that mean? And why do you have these opinions about me? Even though you've like never talked to me, why, why do we, pronouns are so fascinating to me because we insert gender into conversation so much. And that teaches children that it's super important what gender you are. Did you remember, I think we did this gig together, uh-huh. maybe local high-end ballet, I think. I oh, high-end so. ballet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chinese. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the people that was running that show when we were talking over how the show was supposed to go and what we were supposed to do and who we were supposed to like focus on on the stage as they're yeah. dancing. I guess in, in Chinese, they don't have genders for the, they don't have pronouns. Not so in the same way. So everyone was exactly. she, maybe? Yeah. Or <laughs> we didn't like... The person had trouble tracking as he was communicating to us, like whether it was a she or a he, yeah, yeah. because apparently in the language it didn't exist there. And yeah. I just remember just that my awesome. brain spun and twisted. I'm supposed to take notes and be on top of it. And like, I know what I'm doing. I'm helping you do your show. And I was just like, oh, wow. And I just froze in a space of wondering what it would be like if, if that hadn't existed. I remember a similar thing. So we hate Disney movies from the past. I remember there was like this week where I watched, uh, I watched Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. And then I watched the, oh boy, it's going to be better if I come up with the name of it, right? There's this <laughs> Tomorrowland. I watched the movie Tomorrowland and I watched them in the same week. And I went to see Mission Impossible Rogue Nation with a woman who was a Olympic rower. Mm-hmm. Cool. She's like 10 to, maybe she's 20 years older than me. Cool. She could be 20 years older than me. Maybe just, just 15. It's still relevant. We have a comment about Chinese pronouns. Oh, cool. oh wait. Well, I was thinking, one, like, I might be wrong because I'm on the internet. And when you're on the internet, you're wrong a lot. And people like to point that out. Which I'm going to catch up you. with that comment about Chinese pronouns. I'm excited for it. I'm just going <laughs> to finish this thought. So I'm sitting there with a woman who's literally fought for Title IX and was the one of the first recipients of what that meant. Uh, sadly, she didn't get to go to the Olympics for rowing because it was the year that we boycotted. We didn't go Aww. because that something be was Russia. A bummer. In oh. oh my god, huge! So we're both Russia. sitting and watching Rogue Nation, which is uh, Tom Cruise and Rebecca Ferguson, and it's this amazing action film. And the both of them—it was the first time that I saw like a duet, kind of, of an action film where the the female looked just as athletic, and they were just both kicking ass. And I was just like sitting with this friend where this woman is fierce and just is there's a lot of equal happening in that they were both mm-hmm. saving each other and it was so amazing to sit there and watch that and see this athletic woman on screen which you know like the first the wonder woman 
Linda Carter. She's real slim. Like there's a lot of not so athletic yeah. images yeah. or badassery necessarily that that and I kept wondering, like, what would it have been like? What had what would my life have been like mm-hmm. had I seen that movie when I was eight or what would her life have been like? And then that mm-hmm. same week we watched this movie Tomorrowland, which I think is Disney produced, mm-hmm. where there are several young female characters who are like like motorcycle driving and like kicking butt. There's like an android that's a female. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just, I kind of cried during the movie wondering what eight-year-old me would have thought if those were movies that I had access to. Like what the possibility of what my life would have. Even just, you know, 20 years different, generations different of. Yeah. No, I, when I think of that, and this is, I think, kind of part of the crux of where we'll have these conversations and we'll like, butt heads and pass each other in a certain way uh, because there is a part of me that really, really enjoys that. And I like think that is an, an enormously valid experience. And I also, I get worried about people finding that to be the be all end all of that. Equality looks like everyone being masculine in a certain way or presenting. And that's, yeah, and that's what I, saying. and that's exactly. And there's, I get, I, <laughs> I like, contrast and I like defying expectation and that's like I think at the, a big part of the heart of who I am because growing up the way I did and like don't feel good about gender and people would ask me a lot because I like roughhouse and I was like oh, a tomboy I guess is what people would call it when I was a kid and people would be like what are you or like I'd be on the playground and they'd be like are you a boy or a girl and yep. I'd say like why does that matter to you like why does that matter why is it why is it the first thing you're asking me yeah I'm just genuine confusion. I'm five years old. I don't understand why that's so important. Oh, this is such a big deal. It's so, and it's to everybody else. Uh, Like, yeah. And I honestly, I get so mad about like gender reveal parties or people being like, I'm like, oh, is it a boy or a girl? It's like, why are you asking about this baby's genitals? Oh, yeah, yeah. Why are you asking about the baby's genitals? I think we need to think about that. Yeah. (laughs) I like cookie. I like. I just, I, I don't know why we're so, I don't know why we're so invested. I do, because like there's gendering is like othering and by defining what something else is, you get to say, I'm not that. And so like. Well, I can appreciate the like visceral animal experience of because of several elements of society and culture getting yeah. to know in your body, is this friend? Do, do I, do I friend it? Do I fuck it? Do I fight it? Do I flee? <laughs> like there's the a safety matter of like. Yeah you know like do i mate with it do i do i ask it to help me like put a party together for somebody to do maybe i don't know like there's this like this body response of like confusion lives in and the animal doesn't know whether it's supposed to run away or, yeah or or start doing any of the the weird dance of what we do as as mating beings okay i want to check in on this pronoun thing okay. yeah do we get i don't know if there's right there. or wrong or our friend says uh Princess. Chinese does have pronouns, but they are all pronounced the same way. Oh. Chinese does have pronouns, pronouns so that ex- but they're pronounced the same way. So I guess that would explain um, why our friend was like having trouble. Because he was probably just, he used she all the time, just communicating with us. And then he was like, oh yeah, there's he as well. And we were like, well, what if we didn't have gender? <laughs> well, I, I think we were also just like primed to be excited about that concept. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Well, they used to not. I mean, I think everybody was man and beast. And so the default was using man mm-hmm. to describe all of the people. Is yeah. that true? Am I making that up? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't there then. Yeah. It's uh, fair. But so back when... 
don't know. Maybe this is a memory from 18. Mm-hmm. Just being 18, not faking some age. I remember having a conversation <laughs> that potentially the different types of feminism, one of the definitions for radical feminism mm-hmm. was that their idea that was that, was that f- feminine concepts were not necessary. They, they weren't wanting equality. Mm-hmm. They actually be- had a belief that feminine characteristics were actually superior in a lot of ways to masculine characteristics. However, those were like divided and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't necessarily thought... An 18-year-old version of me really wanted that equality mostly because I didn't have access to things or I was my hand was slapped over a bunch of ways that I wanted to be in the world yeah. or what I reached for or what I wanted to do. And so the, the, the outside world told me who I should be and didn't necessarily... A lot of people were great at supporting who I was, but and they still had the same concepts of you know, what I should have been doing, yeah. or like celebrating should. me in spite of how I yeah, was reaching for things I shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, so as I got older, I started recognizing that, hey, like, if there's someone taller than me, they probably, sh- it'd be nice of them to, like, grab things from up high. Yeah. <laughs> and that I didn't need to, it was exhausting to lift the heavy things just to show that I could mm-hmm. when lifting with another person was just easier. And there yep. was no reason why I couldn't use physics of tripods to lift things in a particular way so I didn't have to, like, show off in some way or... Mm-hmm. Even just in the last four years, recognizing the power of emotions, the power of feminine characteristics, and and understand like understanding the my own toxic masculinity mm-hmm. that I like uncovering that, recognizing that emotions are great, vulnerability is wonderful, intuition grows and it's useful. That that feelings are often a better indicator of what's going on than any particular logical linear process because linear process is. You know, your intuition is actually doing all that calculation for you. It's just faster because it's the part of your brain that yeah. that does it fast, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so I was just like thinking about how the way things have been done, I think this is what you've been saying. The mm-hmm. way things have been done isn't necessarily the best way to go about aging. I think I have always wanted, like in my heart of hearts, I've always wanted don't believe in gender so much like as a broad concept and i think in an ideal world a lot of things would be true and this would maybe just be one of them where you could have masculinity and femininity and they are not opposing forces and everyone gets to play with all the same crayons in the box Mm -hmm. and everyone gets to play with all the crayons in the box and they're all equally valid or even if they don't want to play, like in the whatever crayons they want to. Yeah, that's the thing. But they are all open and valid. It's not, I can wear the same outfits that my brother can, and we can both go out in public and not be worried. And that's not an issue, and people don't give you dirty looks. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that is what I want. And I want, the past, I think, like two years of my life, I was exploring my own femininity because I grew up, again, growing up very, very against it, very like, because I just didn't want to be told what to do. I just, above all, I didn't want to be told what to do. I wanted to be able to do my own thing. I have, <laughs> mom has always said, you know, I'm very much like a march to the beat of your own drum kind of a person. And that's how I grew up. And then like going through puberty and like all of a sudden, like people have some good indicators about what they think your gender is and like all of that. And for me as well, then like in my teenage years, I was also dealing with a lot of chronic illness and mm-hmm. uh, health problems and chronic pain. That was really isolating for me. Well, isn't it kind of sort of speaking of like chronic pain and illness, like that was part of the reason why I let go. Those are the early bits of like having early in my early twenties, having back 
injuries and yeah. challenges of like, I don't, I have so much more value and so much more to offer. There's a lot more to me than me pretending that I can lift this thing. Cause yeah. I even have like limitation of range of motion and strength in one of my arms. Like mm -hmm. technically we could, I'm not disabled, but there are things I'm not able to do. I don't have full ability yeah. in my body, but I would like trying to like, Oh, pretend that I could do three times as much with my other arm. And yeah, you know, like, like recognizing that who we are is a whole lot less effort. Yeah. <laughs> and when <It's> we're relaxing. <laughs> potentially, I mean, I, I've had moments of, of illness and such too, and recognizing that there's still so much we can bring to the world, even if we can't exactly get out of bed. Yeah, <laughs> I think, and that was a hard thing that I had to learn a lot of. And when I was young, I, I managed to find communities like online when I was still figuring out like, what was wrong with me? And like, why? Oh, apparently you're not supposed to be in pain all the time. And that's weird. And like, why right? am I like, why can't I think? Why am I sleeping? Why does my arm bend like that? Like all of these different things. I found communities of people who dealt with the same sort of things I did. And that really, and that was my community because I was really isolated. Being sick is really isolating. And having those communities and having those conversations with people about your worth shouldn't be defined by how you contribute in a monetary way. Because when, when it boils down to it, that's what it ends up being a lot of the time of like, how do you, if we're going to get super radical, like how do you contribute to capitalism? And like, do you have value beyond that? And I think exploring that a lot as a teenager was interesting for me in my growth and development. That took a lot of learning for me. And that then plays into things like we're, if we're in situations and we're like loading things in, if I'm, if I'm hanging lights with two colleagues of mine that are male, which is more often than not, mm -hmm. I'm usually the minority in the room um, as like a feminine person. And like they can pick up something that I can't and we can like, that is then a twofer of like, oh, is this because like they're male and like they, they can do it better? Or is like, is it because like I have a disability? And then that, those are both like, ugh, and like, and and if I'm also trying not to gender everybody, should I, I shouldn't necessarily assume that they're going to lift the thing and that they're stronger than yeah. I am or that sort of thing. Or of course, and then it's so it gets so complicated. I feel like gender is just so unnecessarily complicated. I get how it has got us where we are and like why it is a part of things, but it feels like one of those things like snakes shedding bed skin, like it is, or a vestigial limb, right? Yeah, but. Oh, I was going to say, I've been over the past, like, I think two years, I was really trying to explore my femininity because it was something that I had like pushed aside. I'd been like, people don't take feminine people seriously. Yeah. Because, th and that's, you know, what we hear and like, there are like uh, people talking at length and ad nauseum about like, don't talk in upspeak because you sound a certain way. And like, people don't take that seriously. Like, well, in this culture where more women speak that way, that's true. But in other cultures where it's not the case, like, it's different. And I had to learn like, oh, it's not because of what I'm doing. It's because what I'm doing is perceived as being feminine. And then if people are perceiving femininity, they're like, oh, that person, oh, poor sweet sweetheart. She doesn't know what she's doing. Right. And like, that was something I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. And at like two years ago, I started growing out my hair again. I started, I played with makeup and cosmetics. And like, I was really delving into that because I decided like, if you're going to, if you perceive me as feminine, and you don't take me seriously because of that, then I'm going to double the fuck down about that. <laughs> I'm going to make it as hard as physically possible for you to take me seriously. And you're going to have to do it anyway. Because yep. I'm still your boss. I still sign off on payroll. So like... Fair. And I'll sign off on payroll in my really cute shoes. <laughs> that is fair. We have actually... That was one of the things that we had maybe disagreement on. Uh-huh. Whereas 
the upspeak thing for me psychologically when the tonality goes up at the end from from my training in NLP and mm-hmm. hypnosis and how you utilize language to get the results you want and so at some point in my life I, I start not so much caring about how I'm perceived but but the results that I get right mm-hmm. and upspeak tends to sound like a question mm-hmm. so it sounds like you don't know what you're talking about whereas you know statement tone is just a flat tonality where the sentence ends and then there's command and tone where that drops at the end and so people respond differently so we started having a conversation about that and you've had studies where you're looking into like other cultures where everybody has up speak and the tonality at the end but just here yeah it's uh, it sounds like you're asking a question if you go up at the end so and that goes into again like this this I've always said, like, I feel like such a rebel at the core, which is funny to a lot of people who know me because, like, I love I love knowing what the rules are. And most of my job is paperwork. And I really love fucking with f- margins and fonts. And, like, I'm very structured and I'm very type A. But I feel like such a rebel at heart because I am more interest. I'm less interested in getting things done the most seamless way as possible. And I'm more interested in causing a ruckus mm-hmm. and i don't want to play into ideas about how i can be taken seriously because i believe so firmly that how i am the way i am deserves to be taken seriously as yeah. is yeah because i do know what i'm talking about and if you're we're all coming in with you know biases and assumptions right and i'm most interested in undermining and like dismantling those assumptions so i like walking in and you know, it's, it's, again, it's the defiance of expectation of, I don't look like what your manager would normally look like. Yeah. I don't talk like them. I don't act like them, but I do the same things and I get my job done well and I'm capable and competent at it. And if you are more attached to me, to one idea of success, then that's just something I just really bristle at. And the, and this comes across in lots of different ways of like, I need to present. I get a lot of friendly advice about how I should present yes, as a you young do. person. Yes, you I get so much advice. And part of it is, you know, I will, I have a part in it. And that is that I like to listen. Fair. Well, the other part is that you get a lot of advice because you present as feminine and that sort of thing. That, that and people, people are, like to give advice. Oh, they love it. Solicited advice to, to women seeming people. And like, I, I will listen. I'm a nice person. And I don't want to apologize for being, we just had this conversation recently of the next time someone tells me, Amanda, you can't be afraid to be a bitch. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to snap because I'm not afraid to be a bitch because believe you me, plenty of people have told me I'm a bitch. Comment from Zed. Oh, hey, Zed. I don't know if I told you that I loved your episode, but I loved your episode. I wish I had a tail to wear in your honor, but maybe next time. It is gasp. What good humans. Aww. Aww. Zed, gasp, what good humans. Oh my gosh. Holy man. We love Zed. We, I mean, thanks. We're talking about gender and like biases and stuff. So thanks for hanging out. I'm yeah. sure this, this one's for you, Zed. <laughs> I had a thought and then it disappeared. Yeah. Somebody telling you. Someone telling me like, oh yeah, we were saying, uh, you know, if anyone to like tell. Because I've gotten that a lot in my life. Amanda, you can't be afraid to be a bitch. Sometimes you just got to be a bitch. And I'm like not my fault if no one thinks i'm a bitch <laughs> yeah it's not my fault and frankly i'm tired of being reprimanded for being good at things well that was the rule for the longest time the uh, well t- t- 
two versions of the rule. Having an a sense of having assertiveness was the rule. Being assertive and 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 that's how you get roles of power. You have to be assertive and go after things. But and when women would do that, they would be called a bitch. Uh-huh. And men would do that, he'd be called very confident and yeah. capable. That's really sad and too bad. You were saying interesting things that your rebellion is being exactly who you are. And I flashed on something that may piss people off or not, but I flashed on one of the differences generationally. We are different ages. Yes. Different generations. One of the differences generationally in parenting styles, I made an assumption, straight up made an assumption, but it's not necessarily about you, mm-hmm. but the idea that, that parenting styles changing, mm-hmm. uh, some people call this they have negative ways of, of like raising unicorns and snowflakes. And, and, and in my head, I had a derogatory version of like, I bet to have a belief that, that y- who you are is valuable and important and that the world needs to adjust to you. I had one of those like stuck old generational things. Like my grandfather would have freaked the fuck out to hear that. But the idea that... I love freaking out people's Parenting <laughs> shifting into valuing... Uh, you know, making the world more about the children and showing up and and attending. I don't know if your parents did any of this. I'm not saying they did. But the idea that who you are is valuable, important, and you are special, and you get to pave, like you get to belong in the world. Mm -hmm. What was interesting is having that idea of like, that is actually radical. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Self-love is fucking radical. It is radical. In both like the radical way and like the radical way of... And, and I, I like my and friend that, Nicholas knows what radical really means. But the idea <laughs> that you get to be who you are fully and completely out into the world mm-hmm. and then that that's valuable and that's encouraged and that there's space for every one of us is not the story that we were all molded into thinking. That's not how our educational system was designed no. when it was designed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not how uh, business structures and life moved. We were supposed to squeeze and fit into the, the clothes that they make for you. Mm-hmm. Instead of the reverse, I'm really looking forward to the world being a, a slightly more customizable experience. And I think it's becoming that. Yeah. And that showing up, that the whole job when you show up at the start of a gig or any project or any any people arriving in a room together, mm-hmm. the whole job is to figure like, cool, how do we play? And I, I realized recently, because I was, I was prepping for an interview, actually, and I was trying to to frame myself, I was writing a cover letter. I hate writing cover letters. Um, but I was writing it for a company and in the posting that I was emailed by by my colleague about like, hey, you should, we'd love to, if you, you applied for this, they, because it's theater, they were like, we really need people who are like emotionally like vulnerable and able to really engage in this, you know, really important work. That was like one of the lines that really stuck out to me in this long posting. Right. And so I kind of curtailed like a cover letter to really explore that idea of how my vulnerability is a really big part of who I am as a professional. And that is, I think, really, it's relatively unique because when you're in a management position, so much training goes into saying like, no, you have to be aggressive. You have to be like firm. You have to really lay down the law. You have to be a bitch. Right. And that's not me when I manage things. It just isn't. Right. And I... give so much more to the work that I do when I am myself. And I kind of explored that on my cover letter of like learning. I, ex- <laughs> I explored the first time I stage managed uh, for PCC with June Taylor and how I kind of walked in. I had these ideas of how I had seen people do this job in the past with this particular company because I really wanted to like nail this because I had been told like this is a big client of ours. Like we really like them. They come back a lot. Like we they matter to Super us. Super important. Um, 
very respected. And I, yeah, and I had these ideas in the back of my head of like, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I kind of walked into the room and like, they kind of like just, oh wait, no, we can't do that. That's just not you. Like that doesn't work. You can't, you can't be that person. Were you pink haired at the time? I was, no, I had, uh, I had bright silver hair. Mm-hmm. That was my silver fox phase, which was kind of Were the you same wearing haircut. a bright pink sweater that day? I just remember the, you wa- I remember a version where you walked in expecting them to treat you a particular way and then they were super excited about something fluffy and Oh, okay. So this is, this is an adorable story. I really like it. Um, cause I wasn't actually, I was wearing full black. Oh, okay. I might have a picture of it on my phone somewhere because I do like to take pictures of my outfits because I think they are nice. Um, <laughs> but I was I was really excited because it was my first job for the venue where I wasn't like on site. I got to go somewhere else. So there wasn't going to be anyone around to tell me I wasn't allowed to wear things because I am an enormous violator of dress code. Even though for that venue, I helped rewrite the dress code and I still, I think, get in the most trouble about it. Because I argue this sweater is at least 51% black and 49% neon pink, but that's still mostly black. It maths out. <laughs> oh, math. I uh, didn't. That didn't go over well. Right. Or no, my yeah, other usually. floral print, print black sweater. That didn't mm-hmm. go over well. Either. I loved when you got reprimanded for knitting. I thought that was fun. I have my, I have knitting in my backpack right now. I'm actually knitting a very loud sweater right now. It's my first sweater. And I decided I was going to get the loudest yarn I could find. It's baby yarn. You should knit baby blankets with it. So it's super soft too. Right. I'm very excited about it. Um, but <laughs> no, when I, when I showed up to the, to the, the studio rehearsal for June Taylor, I was wearing, I have these lovely, they're, they were my mother's when she moved to Oregon and was interviewing here. Her grandmother bought, my grandmother bought them for her mm-hmm. and she gave them to me. It was like a really great day. We had, we like sipped wine and like, Ooh, look at these old trunks of my clothes. It was great. But like these, these beautiful, like tea length skirts, they're very like fitted. They're, you know, very, very, they're very skinny. Cause my mom was very skinny. She was skinnier than I was. Yep. Blouse. I had a hat on. I had makeup on. I was wearing heels, like very that. I was feeling my fantasy. I had like my little like messenger bag with my computer. And I was like, I'm going to meet these clients and I'm going to do a great job. Yes. Um, and I walk in and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so, I said, you know, hi, I'm, I'm your stage manager from PCC. They're like, you're so elegant. That was the <laughs> word. It was elegant is I look so elegant. And I love that story. And I feel like that moment of, and part of that is like, I dress nice and I look real cute. And the other part is I was just being myself. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to be some idea of what I thought they needed. I was being myself because myself is the most capable of doing what they need. Hell yeah. And like, that's the thing I've learned is I can walk in and try and say like, no, I'm the person in charge here. And you have to all do everything I say all of the time. Because sometimes other people walk in with their own egos and it doesn't bug me if they think that they're in charge because they're not. (laughs) That's fair. And if it starts to get in my, like I can work around that. I'm happy to work around things. Yeah, I think the most important thing that you said, and and we could sort of begin to wrap on this, I think is oftentimes the most yourself you are, the the most effective you are. Yes. And whatever it is you're attempting to do. Yes. So anyone who's watching, and thank you for watching. We, I don't, I actually have no idea where we're streaming live. Me either. I mean, I know that (laughs) I'm here. I know we're in Portland in Selwood specifically. So we're streaming, I know that part of where we're streaming live, but I don't even know which, so whichever buttons of the computer, wherever you found us, thanks for being here. I I love that we had comments and I love that Uh it came from my yelling from my bedroom. That's fun. Yay. (laughs) So yeah. Oh, my next person is arrived. Oh my gosh, cool. Star. 
Hey. <laughs> oh, she's crazy. How sweet. Okay. I don't know. I haven't come up with how we end it when it's live. I don't live. know either. I don't have like a catchphrase. Um, uh, uh, mm. mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. Well, here's here's just a random thought I had the other day. I love it. Random, uh, thought. random thought that sort of made me. I thought of it because we were talking about this. Because uh, I mentioned earlier, like I have a like a meditation practice I do every day, and like yoga, I do that as well. Um, and I hear people joke a lot about like you ever like you're doing like yoga or whatever and you just start crying all of a sudden. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. yo, fuck yeah. And then that happened to me the other day for the first time. And I'm just like sitting like I'm doing alternate nostril breathing. And like I'm just crying. And it's not sad or happy crying. It's just like very like Release. emotional crying. Mm -hmm. And I thought like little weird sick teenage me would be super proud of me right now. Aww. And it's not because of what I do professionally, where I am, and like my love life, anything. It's just that I am being myself. I'm being yeah. very authentic to who I am. And that is enough to let me be successful in all of these other things. Hell I'm yeah. like trying to like cosmically or karmically tell like 14 year old me, like, it will be okay. That's a big deal. It was like, it was a lot. My, this recent year, I, uh, I dismantled a lot of the toxic masculinity enough. Mm -hmm. That I recognized that I had fears and I could feel them and voices that I had never let myself experience. And it turns out that I had a belief under a lot of what I was doing that I was wrong and not okay. Mm. From these times when people, I would reach for things and, and attempt to like express myself in a particular way. And I was like, no, you're wrong. You're not okay. And, and just, just these moments of recognizing where that shows up even in my choice of what I want to eat or how I say hello to people or anything. There's like these tiny bits of ways that this, this kind of belief under the surface is pervasive. Mm -hmm. And I've had similar moments in this last year of, of expressing my fears in the moment or really showing up to my emotions and that sort of thing. And these moments of just letting the crying happen during yeah. a yoga <laughs> instead yeah. of fighting it back and go, and no, I have to do my crow thing. pose today. <laughs> yeah, no, I have to yoga so hard. I get soul jacked. Yeah. No. But. So I have, I have a sense that this is a permission slip. Our conversation. I think it, I mean, I think it is. And I like, that's kind of how I try and live my life. And part of the reason I'm so passionate about like just being myself and I like super shut down and bristle at people telling me about how to be is I think about some of this, the work we do and the companies that come through there and all the kids I see, yes. all of the young people. And I want, and I think this, when I get dressed every morning and I walk out in the world, because I mean, sometimes I get harassed for things like that, uh, just for like being alive and walking around. That doesn't really matter what I wear, but sometimes it hurts or helps. Um, but I think about, you know, am I helping this end goal of ideally everybody just gets to play with whatever crayons in the box they want to, mm -hmm. and all of the crayons are valid. Yep. And like, I think of the kids I see, and I hope they see me and think like, oh, that person is sometimes super feminine and other things about them are really masculine and they dress how they feel comfortable and they do what they want with their body and they have sick tattoos and they still get to be the boss of things and they're still really good at their job. Yeah. And they're really respected just who they are, being who they are. I hope like those kids see that and they think like, oh, who I am is okay too. Yeah. 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 There's not just one way that I get to be. And if you're not sometimes surrounded by kids, there's still an inner... There's an inner part of you that's still eight. Oh, yeah. That still makes decisions for you. And when you get to show it's up... usually my decision to eat all of the cookies in the box. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. Yes. And uh, to have soft, fluffy blankets. My blankets yes. are in a different room right now, but I usually have them here. 
the, the showing up and living in a way where your inner eight-year-old gets to still play and feel feel loved, whether they got it the first time around or not, we still have the opportunity to, to, to show up in the world where we can be an example for ourselves and others. Yeah. And in a, in a, in a loving way, yeah. the re- revolutionary, radical choice of, of showing up and being exactly who you are. And it's, it's hard. And I think it's so, I think it's just so important. It's worth it. You do it. You do Thanks it. for being here. We're going to keep doing it, except we're not here. We're going to stop yeah, doing this. Go there or, we're, we're done uh, with we have to go this shopping. radical version of how we're being ourselves. We're going to radically be at the grocery store after this. Perfect. I'm going to radically go to the bathroom, which reminds <laughs> me of this really funny story. But I'm actually going to finish it. So Amanda and I just Radically. worked together. Oh my God. <laughs> and for the first time, I've been doing tech stuff for like 21-ish years. Many and moons. for the first time ever, I had the mic on when I was going potty. And it was, turns out, super embarrassing, kind of hilarious. It was great. I like walked, I was, I'd been following you. I saw you go in the bathroom. I walk around the corner and I just like here. And I'm like, yeah. And I keep walking around. It's one of my coworkers, and like, she's like, "Was that you?" And then she's just laughing, and we start laughing, and it's like we're at work right now. There are clients, but we're just laughing, and like to the point of tears. Yeah. And then you came around the corner. We're like, "So, how how was that for you?" <laughs> it, was, it was pleasant. Uh, they let me know that I was on, and I'm just super glad that I did not attempt to push out the couple of pellets that were knocking on the door. It's like, hey, bud, you want to you try this too? Can we do it too? And I'm like, body, are you willing to uh, not do that? Because we have this other thing to do. We can wait a couple of 20 minutes. I nearly, it was a it's back and forth about whether I was going to, that would have been funnier. That's a kind of way of radically being yourself. I was fully myself. What was really neat was how not mortified I was. It was great. It was, I'm thrilled that I got to share that experience with, with two of my favorite people. (laughs) I'm going to pee over the headset with anyone. I just wanted it. That was a good group of people to, to pee on headset with. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for peeing with me. Thanks for being here. Anytime. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll leave calm open next time I got to go. <laughs> Just for you. Oh. In your honor. Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye. Well, that's how that went. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode. Thanks for watching, listening, I don't know, reading, imbibing, however you took this in. Thanks for being here. And if you really enjoyed it, I'd, I'd love it if you would do all of the things. Uh, like, share, I don't know, ring a bell, bang a gong, tell a friend, and come back next time. I hope you had as much fun as I had.